All right. All right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about self-care. So take your seats, please. Thanks. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, a show for people who are ready to stop thinking, talking, and reading about the changes they would like to make and start actually making those changes happen. I'm Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagle. You know, we're told that self-care is essential to our well-being. It's practically a duty, an obligation. But I think it's really easy to confuse self-care with self-indulgence. And while indulgences can be fun, they don't necessarily improve our well-being. So in this episode, we want to explore the difference between self-care and self-indulgence so that you can make sure that the time and the energy and the money that you're spending on self-care is actually moving you toward your goals. Right. (laughs) That is our whole goal here is to move you towards your goals. So this is such an important topic. And just like Monica said, we've heard the message that self-care is hashtag important a million times, but I bet, well, most of us, in fact, haven't spent a lot of time actually taking inventory of exactly why that is. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but here's a quick list of what can happen if you don't take this stuff seriously starting with the psychological consequences that include, but are not limited to, things like fatigue, depression, anxiety, lack of concentration and mood swings. And then from a physical health perspective, an effective self-care routine has been clinically proven to reduce incidence of heart disease, stroke, and cancer. And this is serious stuff, right? Right, right. No, absolutely. We have to take care of our physical but also our emotional, our psychological, even our financial and our social needs in order to live our best lives, but also in order to be there for others. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when I say social needs, I'm not talking about social media or, you know, happy hours. I'm talking about our meaningful connections to others, such an important part of our lives. The problem is that self-care has now been so thoroughly productized and commodified that many of us have started to confuse taking care of ourselves with the consumption of luxury goods and services. And that can be small luxuries like, I don't know, scented bath balm or something, Mm -hmm. or large ones like a spa weekend. But luxuries have become our definition of self-care. Yeah, I actually asked a bunch of friends, which become has become a weekly thing here on this podcast, where I poll my friends and my family about stuff. But good thing sorry. they're all faithful listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And very, uh, very good sports. But I did ask some of them what they thought when I said the words self-care. And I have to confess that 80% of them said bubble baths, massages, and spa days. Right. To which I had to restrain myself from making a very audible and very noticeably exasperated sigh. You know, it seems that we've really tipped the scales way too far in the direction of maximizing pleasure while we're actually searching for well-being. Yeah, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with treating yourself to something you enjoy. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but... I see at least two big problems with equating self-care with pampering oneself or limiting our self-care activities to that. Right, right. Number one, that suggests that self-care is really only for those people who have a certain amount of disposable income and leisure time, Mm. right? 
And secondly, it suggests that if money is tight and you need to pare down expenses, self-care is something that you can then do without. And I would suggest that it's exactly the opposite in both of those cases. Yeah, double down, not get rid of it. Exactly. Well, I mean, circumstances sometimes does force us to be frugal or to economize or look for places to trim. But true self-care, and we'll define that more in a minute, shouldn't be thought of as superfluous. No, in fact, because of this whole belief that self-care has to be a luxury purchase or an event that requires something fancy, again, usually something that you have to pay a lot of money for, the self-care industry has become a multi-million dollar business these days. Oh, wait a minute. I actually think it happened the other way around. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think that the multi-billion dollar self-care industry has been instrumental in creating this belief. That's a really good point. It could be a chicken and the egg, but I think in this yeah. case, I think you're uh, you're pretty right there. This creating that idea and creating that scarcity and and fear mongering to a certain extent has really been the the major culprit of turning this into such a, a money maker for certain individuals, anyway. But not to point fingers. But to point fingers. (laughs) Yeah, but to point fingers. Before things like Goop and other places came along with their scented candles and their bath bombs, people did indeed look after themselves without spending a bunch of money or time. And again, of course, we're not poo-pooing bubble baths or spa days if that's something that brings you peace or brings you happiness. Personally, I love chilling in the backyard with a new sci-fi novel. I'm buried in the Bobverse right now. But (laughs) especially with the economy being what it is these days, it is prudent to look at more practical, inexpensive, and in our mind, more meaningful things that you can do to take care of yourself. Absolutely. And if you are going to be spending some money, let's make sure you're getting a good return on that investment. Mm-hmm. So the, the types of things that we've been talking about so far, these things that we tend to think of first as self-care these days, these are all generally known as hedonic self-care. Mm-hmm. These are activities or acquisitions that bring us pleasure. And like we said, there's nothing wrong with pleasure as long as it's not costing us more than we can afford. And I'm not just talking about dollars. It can cost us more time than we can afford, more energy than we can afford, right? Mm. But this heavily commercialized vision of self-care has caused us to lose sight of another more important form of self-care, and that is eudaimonic self-care. That might be a new word to a lot of listeners. It was a new word to me as I started to delve into this research. Let me Me just spell it for (laughs) you in case you're Googling it. It's E-U, which of course is the the Greek root for good, daimonic, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-C, eudaimonic. And these are things that we don't necessarily do because they're pleasurable in the moment, but because they are meaningful or because they elevate our physical, emotional, financial, psychological, or social well-being. These are activities that bring us closer to our goals and our objectives And you might not even think of these things as self-care, but you should. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a couple of examples. Hedonic self-care is booking a pedicure. Eudaimonic self-care, booking your colonoscopy. (laughs) I laugh, but it's true. People book those colonoscopies. (laughs) And they should. It's important stuff. Hedonic self-care might be eating out or ordering in because you don't feel like cooking. Eudaimonic self-care might be prepping meals for the week ahead. 
taking care of yourself in that way. Hedonic self-care might be an evening cocktail, but eudaimonic self-care might be an evening stroll. You getting the, the, the theme here? Yeah, I love this. Hedonic self-care is Netflix and chill, staying up <laughs> late, watching a good series, but eudaimonic self-care might be making sure you get a good night's sleep. Mm. Okay, one more. Hedonic self-care could be spending your tax refund on a fancy watch or mm-hmm. handbag or whatever you crave. Eudaimonic self-care, on the other hand, might be spending your tax refund to hire a financial planner mm-hmm. to set you up for a healthy financial future. So in a nutshell, hedonic self-care is about more or less spending resources on ourselves. And eudaimonic self-care is about investing resources in ourselves. You know, one might say that actually taking time to listen to this podcast that you're listening to right now is a great (laughs) example of eudaimonic self-care. So pat yourself on the back. You're actually doing it right now. And it's free, by the way. (laughs) And you can do other stuff while you're listening to us, too. So another problem with the halo that's been pasted on to hedonic self-care, and mostly by the people who are selling us that stuff, is that it encourages us to spend our time and our money on things that might be superficially or transiently pleasurable, but are not actually moving us towards our goals. Or even worse, they may actually be moving us away from our goals, but we can justify it if we call it self-care. Yeah, think of the cocktail versus the evening walk that Monica just brought up. Yeah, and this also sometimes allows us to ignore or put off things that need our attention, like booking that colonoscopy or (laughs) balancing our checkbook or something because we're, again, too busy with quote-unquote self-care. And here is something I think is really important to remember, and that is that this is not about trying to be happy. Self-care, and indeed any type of self-improvement, is about working to increase our well-being with the goal that if our well-being is satisfied or if our well-being is managed well, We can then live a life of progress, not stagnation. And then ultimately, when we're taking care of our own well-being, we can help others do the same. So important. I I love this quote. I'm always looking for reasons to to bring quotes into the into the mix. And I love this quote from Georgia O'Keeffe. And it's about happiness. She said, I do not like the idea of happiness. It is too momentary. I would say that I was always busy and interested in something. Interest has more meaning to me than the idea of happiness. And I totally agree. Brock, your, yes, your stoic roots are showing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess they are. But you're the one who brought up colonoscopy. So <laughs> just saying. Okay, we promised earlier that we'd list some easy and free self-care. I'm going to call them gifts that you can give yourself. And here's a few that uh, that we jotted down. So you can take five minutes to just go and celebrate something or contemplate something or even just sit and feel an emotion. And yes, I do mean to sit down and allow yourself to feel sad or mad. It doesn't have to be something positive, quote unquote. Sometimes sitting in in your sadness for a few minutes is the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can do is to finally solve a problem or knock a niggling to-do item off of your list. You can also cancel an appointment, a meeting, or a date. Take some of that time back. Give yourself some time back into your day or into your week. Yeah, setting boundaries is an amazing way to exercise self-care, one that's often overlooked. Right, right. 
Or you can also actually do the opposite and book some time to connect with others. Like Monica said at the very beginning, that connecting with other people, that social aspect is so important. Mm -hmm. You can also ask for help to do something or get something done. Or better yet, you can abdicate or delegate a task to somebody else. Get it off your plate. And finally, this is something that, that I actually have been trying to do a little bit more of recently, which is to practice a skill that you enjoy yeah. or that you want to get better at so you can enjoy it more. Something like playing the piano or learning how to play tennis better or learning how to knit more efficiently, any of those things. It's all great examples of ways that we can invest our time and our energy in things that are going to bring us returns in the future instead of just a passing moment of pleasure. Yeah. But beyond these gifts, we really can and in fact should also practice self-care on a daily and hourly basis by doing things like eating a satisfying and healthy diet, by getting ample rest and sleep, by moving and exercising your body in a variety of ways and connecting with other people. And I know, I know these are not as exciting or marketable for that matter as booking a thing like a 10-day silent retreat, which incidentally is also awesome, but all of these things count. And the more that we include self-care time into our daily lifestyle, the better we're able to grow, manage stress, enjoy challenges, and thrive. Now, I'm sure you're getting the idea because we have <laughs> really nailed this point over and over again in this episode, but self-care isn't a purchase or an event. It's a practice or a lifestyle that puts you and your needs just a little bit more first, if you know what I mean. So here are the main takeaways that I hope you take away from this episode. Number one, self-care is important. And look, if you're neglecting your own needs because you feel guilty taking care of yourself or you're too busy taking care of everyone else, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it is worth looking at those things that we might categorize as self-care, but are actually more in the category of self-indulgence. Are you overindulging on hedonic self-care, but skimping on eudaimonic self-care? And then again, as Brock just outlined, self-care isn't necessarily an event or a purchase that brings you pleasure. It's better thought of as a lifestyle that supports your well-being. Yeah, well-being. Not necessarily happiness or momentary pleasure. Well-being. Brock won't be satisfied until you're all miserable. <laughs> That is not No true. happiness allowed. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's look at how we can actually apply this and keep some happiness in your life at the same time. So for the lab experiment this time, we want you to think of the ways in which you practice self-care or in ways that you wish you could practice self-care. Then ask yourself, does it enhance your physical, emotional, psychological, financial or social well-being in any durable way or does it just leave you craving more oh that's a red flag right yeah when the things that bring you pleasure just leave you feeling emptier at the end yeah red flag yes then the next step is to think about whether there are some important needs that you are neglecting in the pursuit of pleasure or happiness and finally ask yourself are you investing time, money, and energy as effectively as you could be in the service of the life that you want to live and the person that you want to be? Or could you do this a little more effectively and efficiently? So in this episode, Brock and I gave you a lot of lists of things that we think of 
as being self-care of various qualities, we'd love for you to make your own list that you can draw from when you feel like you need some self-care. We do love getting you to uh, make lists. (laughs) (laughs) And if despite all of our explanations, you still find yourself not sure about the difference between hedonic and eudaimonic self-care, and you'd like to know what qualifies, go ahead and send us an email. We'd be happy to weigh in. You can always find us at hello at changeacademypodcast.com. All right, we'll be back soon. And for now, here's to the changes we choose. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel and Brock Armstrong.